Hello, everybody. You're here. Welcome. Thank you for inviting us into your space today. Uh, we've got a lot of different things going on at Christ Community. So head on over to our website, check out our coming up page. You'll see all of the different things you can be a part of that are coming up over the next couple weeks. Uh, also, don't forget to like and subscribe, whether you're on YouTube or listening to a podcast. That way you can see whenever new content is available. We hope you enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. So glad you are here. Welcome to those who are watching online. Um, so glad that all of you are engaging um, in this. It's hard to believe, uh, but we're nearing the end of our Intimacy with God journey. Next week, we're going to bring the series to a conclusion, but hopefully not the impact of the series. My heart in writing the book, The Intimate God, and designing this journey was really for us as a church to build into our lives practices that will continue on after the series is done so that we are all equipped to intentionally and continually cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, as I've been saying throughout this entire series, the, 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 the transformational power of the series is not simply in the content that we're reading in the book or we're hearing in the messages. It's also in the three weekly exercises that provide the opportunity to actually practice what we are learning about. Intimacy with God, we've been saying all along, intimacy with God is something that it, 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 it's, it's something we have to cultivate. It's something that each one of us can cultivate. So in this series, we are learning about and we're growing in five core spiritual practices that all of us can do um, and that provide a tangible way to grow in our experience of intimacy with Jesus. So like if you're new to this church, maybe you're new to this church or today's your first time or whatever, you're just now kind of diving in, that is totally cool. Start where we are today and then you can go back and get all the content and all the exercises in the book, The Intimate God, which is available at our cafe for 10 bucks. You can get it on Amazon. And that content and exercise are also available on the link provided where you can find the teachings each week and then also the exercises there. And there's a podcast that Jenny, KJ, and I have been doing each week of this series, which has been really fun getting different perspectives on these practices. <clears throat> okay, so far in this journey, we've been learning about and we've been experiencing four core spiritual practices. First, the practice of stillness creating space in our lives to be free from distractions so that we can tune into our own heart where we really are. And in that place, we can better than tune into the presence of God. Well, we then added to that practice of stillness, we added a second practice, the practice of prayer, learning how to pray through the Lord's prayer as a template for us, but to learn to pray through that in a, in a conversational way. And those two, to those two practices, we added a third core spiritual practice, scripture meditation. So we learned how to engage in scripture in a way that makes it come alive in our hearts and our lives. Not just reading for information, but actually being transformed by what we're reading. So those three practices, stillness, prayer, scripture, they together comprise um, a powerful spiritual trifecta. Um, they really become the core elements of our devotional rhythm. Well, then last week, we added to that the practice of the present, practicing the presence of Jesus. That's cultivating an awareness of Jesus' presence with us throughout all our day, throughout all the various things that we're experiencing in a typical day. So the exercises, if you did the exercises this past week, 
they enabled you to experience all four of those core spiritual practices, which is so awesome. Okay, well today we're looking at the fifth and the final core spiritual practice in this journey, and that is the practice of Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath is a very prominent theme throughout the entire Bible, and yet it is something that many Christ followers struggle to understand and experience. I mean, let's be honest, the idea of Sabbath feels so, I don't know, Old Testament, you know, it feels so archaic, it feels so irrelevant. For many of us, it feels light years removed from our reality where we live. I mean, why should we even consider the practice of Sabbath? Well, as followers of Jesus, we probably ought to begin by acknowledging something that's, I guess, kind of obvious, but it's also a significant truth, and that's that Jesus, our Savior, practiced Sabbath. He practiced all the other, the other things except practicing the presence because he was the presence, right? Um, but he, all the other, he practiced stillness, he practiced prayer, he practiced scripture engagement, and he also practiced Sabbath. Now, his way of practicing Sabbath often created a controversy with the religious leaders because they often missed, they practiced Sabbath, but they missed the heart of Sabbath. And so he was often, you know, confronting them about that. But we, so as we're going to talk about, I want to start here. We got to talk about the heart of Sabbath, the heart of the practice of Sabbath. So in order to understand the heart behind the practice of Sabbath, we need to start at the beginning, literally in Genesis chapter one, we see God creating the heavens and the earth and filling the earth with living creatures. And the rhythm of this passage involves six days of creating. And so look at this. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I mean, how amazing to realize that in the midst of all his creative activity, God himself rested. He set aside one day out of seven for the purpose of, of physical rest, but there's more. Notice how God views the Sabbath. It says, then, then chapter, uh, chapter two, verse three, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. See, from, from the beginning, this is right at the beginning. From the beginning, we see that the Sabbath is significant in God's purposes and his plans. There's, there's blessing in it. It is a sacred, it is a holy thing. So it's no surprise then that much later in the book of Exodus, after God rescues his people from slavery in Egypt, and then he gives them the terms of his covenant with them, it's no surprise that when he gives them the terms of his covenant with them, Sabbath is included. He brings up this Sabbath topic. And not as a side note or a suggestion, look at Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in in, in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, what's happening here, what God himself experienced in Genesis chapter two, he now wants his people to experience. God wants his people to practice Sabbath. In fact, we could state this a little stronger. God commands his people to practice Sabbath. The passage we just read is actually contained within the 10 commandments which are the core practices God established to protect and provide for his people. You know, things like you shall not murder and you shall not worship other gods and then remember to honor the Sabbath. What? I mean, how did Sabbath make that, this list? How did it make the list of 10 commandments? Clearly, this is a big deal. The practice of Sabbath is not some archaic, outdated idea. No, it is, nor is it some optional, insignificant thing. God wants us to practice Sabbath. Okay, but why? Why, right? Why does he want us to practice Sabbath? Well, God tells us exactly why. In both Genesis 2 and in Exodus 20, we see this repeated statement. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So those those two words, blessed and holy, are crucial in our understanding of the purpose, the why of the practice of Sabbath. So let's look first at the word blessed. Exodus 20, verse 11, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Now, what does it mean that God blessed the Sabbath? It means there is blessing for us in practicing Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift to those who practice it. It is a place of life and blessing. Now the word Sabbath literally means to cease from. So the idea of Sabbath is that one day out of seven, we cease from what we have been doing the other six days. We cease from working. We cease from producing. We cease from hurrying. We cease from doing our chores and our to-do list. We cease from responding to work-related emails and texts. We cease from running from one meeting to the next, from one activity to the next. And in that ceasing from... We have now created space. We have created margin to simply be, to rest, to slow down, to restore our souls. Doesn't that sound amazing? (laughs) Right? Doesn't that sound amazing? Sabbath is an incredible gift from God. A day in which we don't have to produce anything. It is the gift of being reminded that our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is found in whose we are. Arthur A.J. Swoboda wrote this. He said, Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that we're not what we do. Rather, we are who we are loved by. 
See, Sabbath is, 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 is this reminder of our identity. It's also this much needed reminder at the core of our being that we are not in control of the universe. God is. Isn't it interesting how the universe keeps going even when we stop for 24 hours? But, but so often we live as if it all depends on us. So Sabbath is this weekly reminder to our soul that it doesn't depend on us. It all doesn't depend on us. Theologian Abraham Heschel, in his book, The Sabbath, invites us to rest on the Sabbath as if your work were done. And I would add, because in Christ, it is done. See, Sabbath is not simply this Old Testament concept. Sabbath is a gospel reality. Sabbath is a day for us to be reminded of the life-changing truth that Jesus shouted from the cross. It is finished. It is finished. Sabbath is one day out of seven in which we are invited to live without the to-do list hanging over our head. I don't know about you, but I'm a to-do list person, even on my day off. I have a list, even if I've not written it down, I have a list in my mind of things that I want to do, important things to accomplish. In fact, it makes me nervous to have a block of time without a to-do list, without any action plan. That makes me nervous. Now, why is that? Why would having a block of time without anything to do make me nervous? Why does my anxiety level rise when I remove the to-do list? Could it be that I am addicted to being productive because productivity is where I find value? If someone asks me, how was your day? Well, my answer to that question depends on how much I got done that day. You see, in our driven, hurried, distracted culture, Sabbath is a radical idea. <laughs> it is a radical idea. Dr. Walter Brueggemann describes Sabbath as an act of resistance. I love that because it is in our culture. Sabbath is an act of resistance. The practice of Sabbath is an insurgency and insurrection against our culture's idolatry of productivity and materialism. Sabbath is an unsettling idea for many of us who live on the adrenaline rush of hurry and busyness and activity, which is exactly why we need it. From the beginning, from the beginning, God knew that we as human beings, we would tend to measure our value and our worth on what we do and how much we produce. And this, look, when we start basing our identity on that stuff, this will inevitably lead to a life of hurry and constant activity, which takes a toll on our soul. Sabbath is a divinely ordered detox for us. It is a divinely ordered detox for us, helping us break free from our addiction to doing. See, Sabbath provides the gift of saying no to producing, the gift of slowing down, the gift of rest. Again, this is the blessing. This is the word God used. 
It's a, it's a day that's blessed. This is the blessing of Sabbath. It is a gift to us. It is something that our soul, that our relationships, that our bodies desperately need. And yet it is not something we naturally make time for. I mean, when it, you don't have to answer this, but just think about this. When is the last time you carved out 24 hours and in that time, you didn't produce anything. You didn't check work-related emails. You didn't run errands. You didn't go shopping. I'm guessing that for many of us, it's probably been a long time. And what kind of impact is that having on our lives? Okay, now, not only is the purpose of Sabbath to bring blessing to our lives, we're also told in Exodus 28 that God made the Sabbath holy, holy. So what does that mean? Our experience of Sabbath is a holy thing. Well, the, the word holy means set apart. It's set apart for God. That's what holiness means, set apart for God. So Sabbath, if it's holy, what it means is Sabbath is a day we set aside to be present to God to worship him, to reflect on his goodness, to enjoy him. See, earlier I mentioned that the word Sabbath means to cease from. It also has, there's another meaning, the word Sabbath. It also means to delight in. So the word Sabbath has this dual meaning. It, it possesses this idea of ceasing from something in order to experience something else. Creating margin so that we have time to fill our souls afresh with God once a week. See, Sabbath is not simply a day off, it's not. It is a day set aside to be present to God, to worship him, to enjoy his delight in us, to experience his creation, to reflect on his blessings in our lives. So see, in, in, in his Sabbath command to us, God is saying, look, I want you, I want you to take one day a week, and on that day, I want you to slow down and reflect on your life, I want you to enjoy creation and enjoy relationships. Let my presence fill and refresh your soul. Take time to ponder, take time to worship, take time to reflect and to enjoy. Can you imagine, can you imagine seeing a sunset actually happen rather than a passing glance out the rearview mirror as you hurry to another event? What if God is the event? What if God is the event? What if time isn't a commodity to be maximized, but a gift to enjoy in that moment? See, this is the gift that Sabbath is to us and to our souls. It's the gift of ceasing from the pressures and stress of life, in order to delight in the only one who can truly satisfy our souls. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Our lives are so busy, so stressful, so complex. In the practice of Sabbath, God invites us once a week. God invites us to take time to root our souls in simplicity. 
not complexity, to root our souls in simplicity, to slow down, to stop producing, and to be reminded that our identity, our truest identity is in him, not in what we do. It is in him. And to find our life and our enjoyment in him and his blessings. See, Sabbath is an opportunity to engage in things that pour life into us, to go on a hike, to take a nap, to connect with a friend, to read a book we've been wanting to read, to dream, to reflect on the past week, to savor. There is no to-do list. There is no to-do list. It's a day to enjoy. It's a day to be. Okay, so now that we've looked at the heart of Sabbath, the why of Sabbath. Let's talk about the how of Sabbath. Well, what are some logistics of practicing Sabbath? And look, before we go into this, can't wait to talk about it, but before we go into it, I gotta, I gotta just mention, we all, we all need to agree that we're, we're not gonna do what the Pharisees did. We're, we're gonna steer clear of anything that even hints at us trying to make um, the mistake the Pharisees made regarding Sabbath keeping. And because what the, Pharisees, the mistake the Pharisees made was they were so intent on keeping the Sabbath, which is a good thing, they, but they were so intent on keeping the Sabbath that they created over 600 man-made regulations, things that you could and couldn't do so that you could do the Sabbath, right? And so they, they came up with all these regulations about what you couldn't, couldn't, could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. For instance, you couldn't look in a mirror on the Sabbath. Like, why couldn't you look in the mirror? Because they were concerned that if you looked in the mirror and you saw a gray hair, you would pull it out, um, which would be considered work. Um, so better, better to avoid looking into a mirror altogether than being in danger of working, okay? So they thought. And again, I am sure, I am sure the Pharisees, their Sabbath-keeping tips, they were attempts to help people practice the Sabbath. I think their hearts were actually good. Their intent was to help people practice Sabbath. But sadly, the result was a 600-item list. The result was actually a burden, an exhausting banned behavior list that actually became more of a burden for people so they couldn't enjoy the Sabbath because they were so worried about breaking all these regulations on the Sabbath. So we don't want to do that, okay? We don't want to do that. So even when I'm talking about practicalities here, I am not... Do not hear them as legalistic things. They're not. They're suggestions. Because the Sabbath is supposed to be a gift to us. It's supposed to be a gift. Unfortunately, all their rules, the Pharisees' rules, turned it into this legalistic set of things to avoid. And we, we don't want to do that. Because what they did, they took the joy and the life out of the gift God had given. Which is kind of sad. So we do not want to create a Christianized version of Sabbath do's and don'ts. But we do want to take this command seriously because it's a blessing. It's a gift to us. All right. So what does it look like to take this command seriously? Well, here's what it looks like, sim simply stated. It looks like carving out 24 hours in, a, in our weekly rhythm. And in that time, in that 24 hours every week, 20 weekly rhythm, in that time, we intentionally cease from so many of the things that we have filled our other six days with. Working, shopping, producing, studying, hurrying, list keeping, etc. Instead, we choose to rest. 
we choose to spend time enjoying the Lord and enjoying relationships and enjoying things that replenish us and pour into our soul. So another way to say this is that Sabbath is a day where we, where we remove our ought to list. I ought to get up early. Then don't get up early. I ought to exercise. Then don't exercise. I ought to mow the lawn. I ought to weed the garden. I ought to go shopping. I ought to fix that broken cabinet. I ought to, then don't, right? You get the idea. We have spent the other six days doing our ought to list. So Sabbath is a day we intentionally free ourselves from oughts. Now, if you have young children, I am not talking about ignoring them for 24 hours, no matter how tempting that sounds, okay? I'm not talking about that. You have to figure out in the season of life you're in, you have to figure out what Sabbath looks like for you. Maybe for you, if you have young kids or whatever, Sabbath is having someone watch your kids for two hours and you go do something you wanna do, not grocery shopping, okay? But, but if you're in that stage of life, Give yourself grace to figure out ways to experience Sabbath together as a family. I remember when our children, we have four children. I remember when they were young, my wife, Raylene, and I designated Sunday afternoons as nap time for everyone. And so we turned off all electronics and each family member either read a book or they took a nap. I know of families who do a family night on their Sabbath. So they're cooking a meal together. They're playing games. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about Sabbath. You can be creative and you can make it personal. What pours life into you? What things would you enjoy? What places or spaces would pour into your relationship with God? What, what is it? What is that thing that if you did it during the week, you'd feel guilty about wasting time? See, Sabbath is an invitation to guilt-free time wasting. But of course, it's not a waste of time. It's an investment. It's an investment into our soul. It's an investment into our relationship with God. It's an investment into our emotional and spiritual health. So, for example, if mowing the lawn or cooking is life-giving and fun for you, then feel free to do that on your Sabbath but if those things are an obligation, then plan ahead so that you don't have to mow the lawn or cook on that day. Okay, so that's the basic idea. How to do it? Carve out 24 hours, right? And, 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 and do it, okay? Or don't do it. Um, don't do anything else. But anyway, let's get even more practical here. So let me offer just a few other suggestions that you might find helpful as you're thinking through, okay, what would it look like to build this into the rhythm of my life? in our family's life or whatever. So first of all, remember that the Sabbath time period does not have to start at midnight. It, 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 um, you know, a lot of times you say, oh, Sabbath has got to start, you know, midnight to midnight, but it doesn't have to. In, in Jewish culture, Sabbath started in the evening. It started with sunset. It started in the evening. And so we might find it helpful to do the same thing. 
On our podcast, KJ talked about how he begins the Sabbath in the evening. He talks about why that's been so helpful for him in his practice of Sabbath. So this, for instance, this might look like a family starting their Sabbath with a family dinner, say on a Saturday evening, leading into a game night with the kids and sleeping in the next morning, going to late morning worship service, relaxing the afternoon, and then ending the Sabbath at dinner. Now, I, I personally, it was a suggestion, but I personally, I like that rhythm of starting Sabbath in the evening because it helps me kind of ease into Sabbath at the end of a busy day. But again, that's just a suggestion. Second practical suggestion, if you have a family, plan your Sabbath together. So if you're married, you need to plan your Sabbath together with your spouse so that both of you experience a Sabbath that is life-giving to them. So let's try to avoid any communication that sounds like, hey dear, I'm headed to the golf course for my Sabbath. Have fun with the kids, okay? Let's not do that. Help your spouse experience Sabbath as well. So if that means teaming up and helping shop ahead of time or cook ahead of time, that's great. And if you have teenagers at home, include them in this practice. I mean, what a great discipleship opportunity for them to grow in, to learn how to take a break from technology, how to slow down, how to tune in to their own hearts. Third suggestion and reminder, the Sabbath can be any day of the week. Now, I realize that certain groups um, make a big deal about how the Sabbath must be practiced on a particular day. There's one group in particular, you know, it's usually Saturday that they emphasize and all that. What we see in scripture is that for the Jews, Saturday was their Sabbath. But after Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, Christians began observing Sabbath on Sunday. And what all of this shows us is that the actual day, in my opinion, the actual day is not a crucial issue. People today have crazy work schedules, work and weekends, all these things. It is not about a particular day of the week. The crucial issue is, whatever our schedule, it's carving out a 24-hour period of time for rest, for the Lord, for reflection, for slowing down, for not working. In our technologically driven culture, where we are continually attached to and accessible to work, to people 24-7, Sabbath is a radical countercultural decision. So it won't be easy. It won't be easy. But it will be worth it. God promises his blessing in it. And this is a great reminder for me. I mean, even though I have written on this theme of Sabbath, I've taught on this theme, of, of all the practices, the practice of Sabbath continues to be the biggest challenge for me personally, which is so weird. Here is this gift God has given to me to take a break, to rest, to do things that feed my soul. And yet I often struggle to do this. I often struggle to make time for this, even though my soul desperately needs it. And your soul does as well. All of our souls need this. More and more studies are revealing. I mean, they're all over the place now. More and more studies are revealing that the way we're living the pace in which we're living, the amount of information and all of that, the way we're living in terms of constant noise and information activity, it is not conducive to our mental health. It is not conducive to our emotional health. 
constantly looking at a screen, constantly being on call, constantly being accessible to people, constantly being in a hurry. These things are not how we as humans were designed to function. See, God knows what he's doing. He didn't design us to be productivity machines, to be human doings. He designed us to be human beings who realize that our worth and our value are not ultimately about what we produce, but about whose we are. So God gave us the gift of Sabbath, a gift to find blessing, a gift to enjoy every week, once a week, a gift to find blessing in, a gift to enjoy, a gift in which we can recalibrate our souls. We can look forward to it every week knowing there's an oasis coming. We can recalibrate our souls. So the question is, are we gonna practice this? The question is, because it's a gift, are we going to receive this gift? Are we gonna build it into it? It's gotta happen automatically. We know what happens when we do life automatically. We don't have Sabbath, right? So well, are we going to build this into the rhythm of our lives? That's the question. Are we going to put it into practice? So your assignment this week is to schedule a 24-hour period of time for Sabbath. Mark it in your calendar and then build your schedule around it. Now, look, if 24 hours feels totally unreachable in your schedule right now, totally unattainable. I totally get it. Start where you are. Seriously, start where you are. Maybe like three hours or six hours. That would be a great place to begin with the ultimate desire to eventually expand that to a full 24-hour period of time because that's what God started in Genesis 2 and that's what he invites us to experience. One more thing, for some of you need to hear this especially, be ready for the guilt trip, all right? Be ready for the guilt trip. Be ready for that feeling on your Sabbath that you ought to be doing something productive. Let's resist that idea on our Sabbath. There will be time to do those other things. Six days of time, in fact. Every week, we have six days to do those other things. The Sabbath is a gift to you and to me. It, it is a gift that I need, and I'm guessing that you do as well. So let's make time for this gift. Let's enjoy it. And of course, let's remember the goal. The gift of Sabbath is a gift of time, expanded time, to grow in our experience of wholeness, our experience of shalom, in our experience of intimacy with Jesus. Amen. All right, well, let's stand. If you're able to stand, let's go ahead and stand as we respond to the Lord. We've heard the word, and now we want to create space to quiet our souls, to kind of practice the presence of Jesus like we talked about last week, and to let him speak and move. So in a moment, I'm going to just pray a simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. And all we're doing in that prayer was we're opening our hearts and our minds and our bodies just to receive whatever the Holy Spirit would want to say to us or do in us. Maybe things he would want to prompt us to consider, action steps he would want us to take in response to the message or anything else. So, 
Let's close our eyes. Ah, Jesus, we love you. We welcome you here through the presence of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and our minds and our bodies to you. God, thank you for this gift. You've given us so many gifts, so many blessings. This is an amazing gift, the gift of Sabbath. It's an amazing gift, and yet we confess. For many of us, we confess it's hard. We are so addicted to productivity and measuring our value based on how much income we earn, how many things we do, or what other people think of us, all these things. And God, we need, we need our, our souls need to be detoxed from the way that so many of us live. Thank you for giving us this gift, saying here's, here's the way. Here's a gift to enjoy. You don't have to work. Just enjoy me and do things you enjoy. Let me pour into you and just chill and, and uh, be. So God, would you help us? Help us learn this to rest. Help us, we need just creativity. We need logistical insight into how to make this work in the midst of busy families or busy lives. God, would you help us? We don't wanna miss out on this gift that you've given us. Our souls need it, our minds need it, our emotional health, we need it. Our, our, physically, we need it. Every part of us needs this. And so I pray you'd help us grow in our experience of intimacy with you, our experience of rest through the practice of Sabbath. God, we love you. We love you. Even in these moments, Lord, we wanna, we're slowing down. We're not hurrying somewhere else. We're slowing down. We wanna be fully present here to worship you, to respond to you. 
We love you, God. We love you. Set us free to worship you, to be present to you, God. So if something from today's sermon inspired you or confused you or challenged you, or it doesn't even have to do with the sermon at all, but God is doing something inside of you that you're interested in talking to someone, go on cccgreeley.org. There's a little chat button at the bottom. I'm on the other side of that. Uh, feel free to say hi and then tell us how how we're able to to help or to talk or to chat or to pray or hang out.